This is Sydney Moon, and welcome to the Holiday Moons podcast, where we share our love for the holidays with you year-round. This is Randy, and I will be talking about the Beach Party movie series with the movie Muscle Beach Party from 1964. This is Cole, and I'll be continuing my series of the off-brand tourism, where we're going to be taking a look at a statue of Lincoln that's just a little bit smaller than the one in D.C. Oh, okay. This is Beth, and I'm going to be finishing up my Songbird series with a little fun quiz. We hope that you are enjoying your June or summertime. We have had several holiday happenings, um, summer-related, going on this week. Yeah, I would say summer is not my favorite season. But some of the things I do really like about summer are the fresh fruits and vegetables that come, like corn yes. on the cob. Yes, and like cantaloupe, we're big fans of watermelon, Yes, cherries, all that yummy, yummy, yummy fruit. Right. That <laughs> all of a sudden is fresh and delicious and... Available? Just, yes. Just right there. So we've been, we've been eating a lot of fruit, and I got corn on the cob for the first time today, so that's fun. Very yummy. Looking forward to eating that later. We also have the opportunity in summertime to sit in backyards and enjoy company with friends. So we did that last night, socially distanced. There was a table between us. Right. We uh, both <laughs> couples ordered food from a local know, restaurant, a local place, and then um, we just ate while we talked and hung out in their backyard and watched birds. So we, we actually did. saw several of Beth's songbirds That's in right. the backyard with yeah. them. Yeah. And it's funny, I was down by uh, the river today and a blackbird flew by and I was like, oh, that's a crow. I know oh. that from the shape of everything. <laughs> from everything you learned. From everything I learned. Yes, we've learned so much. We'll find out later how much we've learned. Yes. We'll see. Well, as I mentioned, um, I will be talking about the Muscle Beach Party movie from 1964. And I talked about in the beginning that over time, these movies become less morally um, based, meaning that there's a moral to it, and just crazy and fun and this is like the first movie that it really is just silly <laughs> shenanigans and that's really there's no moral compass well there's no moral um lesson learned at the end right it's just it's just silly it's, it's just, just fun and very silly. surf and right yeah dancing yes. and so turf and, and, surf yeah. and turf. Mm-hmm. right so in this one it's very similar it begins out very similar to the last one in the sense that it's, Very. it's still Frankie and, and Dee Dee. She was called Dolores last time, but she's Dee Dee. And it's Frankie Avalon and uh, Annette Funicello. And um, they are driving in their beach kind of car, the open top car the, with the surfboards sticking the in the back. convertible with the right, surfboards in the back. Towards the beach. It was interesting because they didn't mention why they were going to the beach. It wasn't Easter. It wasn't summer. It was just ambiguous. It doesn't matter anymore. It They're doesn't. just going to the beach. <laughs> For a week with their friends, all staying in the same house they stayed at at the last movie. Right. All together in this big house. Boy, and there's a lot of them. Boys in one room, girls in another. And there was definitely more this time. Yeah, there were so many. Yes. But both Frankie and Annette, 
they do a song in their convertible on the way that there. begins the movie yes yeah and they did that again that was cute yeah and this time the movie itself started out with a cartoon sequence uh, that was just cartoon drawings as the movie yeah, credits and things were going. Odd too. It was odd a little bit odd. Things. It was. It was. So here's the brief synopsis: Surfers Frankie and Dee Dee and their many many friends head to the beach and become uneasy when Muscle Man Flex Martian and his friends from Jack Fanny's gym invade their section of the beach. So Flex Martian is the big Muscle Man. He's Mister Universe, isn't yeah, he? Yes, I think that's what he is. We'll find out later. They basically have this gym that's moved in next door, and now the, the muscle men come down to the beach and uh, kind of perturb them. Like, they perturb, them each other. Yeah, yeah. they perturb each other. And they draw a line in the sand, which is funny, like a literal line in the sand. One of the, a couple of the big muscle guys take one of Frankie's gang and, and drag him down the sand <laughs> to create the line in the sand. <laughs> and they said, you guys stay on this side, we'll stay on this side. So that's kind of how they, they set up the beginning. But you see a yacht offshore. Okay, so on the yacht offshore, the wealthy Contessa named Julie is arranging for her business manager, S.Z. Matz, to find Julie, her latest in a string of boyfriends. So what happened was the Contessa saw a picture of, of Mr. Galaxy, maybe Mr. it was. Mr. Galaxy, I think that's what it was. Um, in a magazine, and she wanted to become his girlfriend. So she sailed her yacht to find him. And they find him on this beach. And this whole thing about trying to... Like, they're sneaking around, trying to find him. And they're looking through, like, telescopes. And they finally find him. And when they find him, it's funny because they take their helicopter, which is like a pontoon helicopter. There's huge pontoons on it. So it can land anywhere. And they fly over the beach. And they just hover, like, around all the kids and around the muscle guys. It's the wind. Yeah, it's like, you know, that would really hurt. Sand just, like, blasting you because this helicopter is really low. So nobody knows what's going on, and they're kind of hovering, and it's like a long sequence. Yeah. I don't know why it's that long I, of a I sequence. Don't either. And then eventually they land. It's like you could have just landed. It wasn't <laughs> you could have landed deal. a little further right. down the beach. Well, they so, wanted the dramatic effect. Yeah, yeah, apparently <laughs> they got a helicopter for the day, and they wanted to use yeah, it. They really needed to use it. That's <laughs> right. Golly. Yes. So uh, Julie is introduced to Flex Martian, and she decides that she wants to have lunch with him on the yacht to kind of get to know him. So. So they take off in the helicopter without him. And you're like, oh, is he going to like take the boat or like a little boat or something? Like there's well, they, not enough room in the yeah, helicopter. which is probably true. But they zoom around and hover over top of him. And he, he holds on to this bar underneath the uh, helicopter and does pull-ups the whole way. And they show him doing pull-ups the whole way from the beach to the yacht. That's extreme. Yeah. He's just like extreme. doing... I'm like, man, that was that was a... He is a strong pretty guy. crazy strunt, stunt that they did because he was up there pretty far. Yeah. Yeah, so it was funny. So then she meets Flex. She likes him, but she, you can tell she's not like, he's really into his muscles. Like when she's talking about going off to here or there, he's like, look at this tricep. You know, he's yeah, like yeah. super into his muscles, right? And so she's like not 100% convinced. But then she meets Frankie later in the night and she becomes really enamored with Frankie. She hears him sing a song. And he kind of returns her affection because Dee Dee and him, you know, they're kind of always like have their ins and outs, right? Yeah. Their ups and downs kind of thing. She really wants to have a husband and he really isn't ready to do that yet, right? right? So now Dee Dee becomes jealous. Julie wants to turn Frankie into a singer and then be able to travel all over the world together, basically. Dee Dee becomes jealous 
And there also ends up being a rift between the surfers and the muscle man. Because now the Contessa stopped being interested in Flex Martian, which makes Flex upset. And there's this contract thing that they were going to pay for all these gyms to open and all that kind of thing. Right. They were going to give them a very lucrative contract with a lot of benefits for them in order for Mr. Galaxy to go with Julie. Right. So when she's no longer interested in Mr. Galaxy, now that whole contract, they're worried that whole contract is going to fall through. And all of the benefits that that was going to bring them now is gone. Right. So now they're not happy with Frankie's gang. Now Frankie, actually they record on the spot in this little diner, Frankie singing a song. And they like instantly make records out of it. Like <laughs> just piles and piles of records yeah, show up crazy. on the beach. And they're, Frankie wants his gang to, to have them. Well Frankie's gang kind of turns on him and says, hey we're not really interested in that lifestyle that you're talking about. It's fake. Um, you're basically just at the whim of this woman right and we're not interested so do what you got to do but we're not interested hmm. right so he's kind of bummed about that and then what it's just a, it was just a really funny way to put that he's kind of bummed about that like he was really upset about that it's the same thing yeah okay kind of bummed is like well it wasn't enough for him to not pursue it right right so then the business manager sz sees that Frankie is actually falling for the Contessa and is worried that Frankie's going to get hurt. So CZ, and he had a nice girl. CZ knew that uh, Dee Dee and Frankie were good together. But this was kind of breaking them apart. This was pulling them mm-hmm. apart. Doesn't sound like they're great together. Well, that's true. <laughs> it is kind of funny. So CZ ends up telling Frankie about Julie's past relationships and how she had boyfriends that included bullfighters and like artists and all these different people all over the world that end up not working out and they go their separate ways and you know somebody they don't get hurt because they're not that invested in it and he's worried that in this case somebody's really going to get hurt and they're going to be more invested in right so and and, they live off of her right while they're with her she finances all of their hobbies and all of their interests and right so they're not their own person they're not their own man right they're they're living off of all her wealth. And that's, you know, anybody who's listening to the music of Frankie is doing it because of her, not because of his abilities, basically. That's what his thought was. So in the end, he realizes that he really needs to go back to Dee Dee if she'll have him. So that always brings it back to the, the bar, the, I don't know, the restaurant area that they have together yeah what is that it's like a was it like a tiki shack kind of like but a tiki it's not bar kind of like a, a surf yeah it's like a surf hangout yeah. right it's a surf hangout it doesn't really show them drinking alcohol. no they, yeah none of these it really show them doing illegal things or anything yeah. but they definitely all hang out there yeah so frankie ends up going there makes up with dd of course it took takes a little while for dd to become convinced but you know he convinces her again <laughs> second movie he's done that and then the muscle men show up to have the final big brawl right so because they're mad um about everything so this huge big brawl ensues and it's funny when you watch the fight because this is when kind of the the silliness yeah. of the editing comes in like they'll yes. show like a, a woman punching a guy and they would just repeat that sequence 
Like, they'll show another scene, then they'll come back to that secret. Oh my the God, exact that's... same repeated sequence. And they know, they know they're doing it, because they're putting cartoon sounds on it. Um, yeah, boing, boing. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. That's the two punches, <laughs> boing, boing. Like, so they always, like, come back to that, right? But that so, was annoying me so much. Oh, so funny. it must have been a very comedic fight then, because yes. Yes, I was. imagine that in a real scenario, the muscle men coming over to beat up all the kids would be a very yes. short yeah. fight. Although there are a lot more kids. Oh, okay. But they do have like people going through brick walls head first. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, lots it's of chairs silly. going around. Yeah. Um, there's no like um, um, guy with a the finger where Which you can touch the side of somebody's temple and they yeah. freeze or something like that this time. But the professor they are, wasn't there. Yeah, the professor wasn't there. But the, there was just like cartoon kind of um, violence, right? People going through windows, people going over tables, people going through walls. Yeah, being tossed about. Right, all that kind of thing. To stop it this time, they have this person that they call the, the, like the silent partner of the gym, so of Jack Fanny's gym. And his name is Mr. Strangedor. Um, so he comes in. What a name! I know he comes in and stops the fight because although he's like an older, shorter guy, he's the strongest man in the universe, right? right. So he actually can easily stop everything. So everybody's kind of afraid of him. So he kind of stops it, and then um, he convinces Flex to concentrate on his muscles and forget about Julie. Julie then goes off on the boat and kind of indicates that she's going to settle down with. The business manager is CZ, but they aren't really. Yeah, that's not that's not really obvious. You no, know, I read that more than I saw. It. Yeah, <laughs> actually happened. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it was kind of a fun, silly uh, movie. Yeah. A lot more cartoon noises. A lot of Frankie breaking the fourth wall, and and he'll talk to the audience. Really? He'll talk yeah. to you, the the watcher. That's yeah, funny. yeah. Did he do that in the last movie? A couple times, he looked at the audience. This time, he actually. Talk to the audience. Huh. Um, and he did some of the looking too. Yeah. Like yes, something got that, a little yeah. crazy. He'd look at the camera. Yes. So some interesting uh, information about the movie itself. So Eric Von Zipper and his rats weren't around. Nope. I said last time he makes repeat appearances, but he doesn't in this movie. He will in later ones. Jack Fanny, who's the guy who kind of trains the muscle man, is Don Rickles, a famous comedian for his time. The guy who plays Flex Martian is a guy named Rock Stevens, or that's another, that's his like actor name. His real name is Peter Lupus. Peter Lupus ends up co-starring in the long-running TV series Mission Impossible. So that tall, big, muscular guy ends up being on the TV series Mission Impossible, which I thought was funny. A number of the same people that were in the first beach party movie are in this beach party. Like, there's a dancer named Candy Johnson, who uh, in the film is known as Candy. And she does this, like, dance with this, um... She has, like, a, a set of clothes that when you when you swivel, like, the little tassel things from head to toe basically swivel. Yeah. Um, so that, that's, like, a big part of the movie. Her, yeah. her clothes have fringes all over it. So when she... And she... And it's so cartoony and dumb. Yes. Because mean, what she can do... I think she did it in both both movies, yeah, but this, this one was... really focused on it. She had her own song, basically. She didn't sing it, but she danced to it, where she, through her dance, was knocking people off their surfboards. Like, she would swivel her, her <laughs> hips, and, like, in a direction, and people would fall. Right. It so was just like, so silly. Like, while on a surfboard? Yes. Or, okay, yeah, yeah. what? Well, and in the end, it was just people standing there. That's hilarious. And she could knock them over yeah. with a swivel. So, that, yeah. So that like, was oh, here she goes. Yeah. So this is kind of like the silly kind of <laughs> yeah. things that happen there. 
Dick Dale and the Deltones, who sang in the last movie, sang in this movie. Some of the Beach Boys wrote uh, six different songs for this movie, like they did for the last one, too. Uh, there's also a, another singer, Donna Lauren, who uh, makes her cute. debut singing Muscle Bustle with Dick Dale. She is also the spokesperson for Dr. Pepper Soda, which is in several scenes of the movie. Isn't that funny? Oh, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. So Don Rickles that I mentioned before, he will have several appearances in these movies, but always as a different person, which I think is funny. That is funny. Yeah. And then one of the things I thought was really cool about this movie is that 13-year-old Stevie Wonder makes his film debut by singing Happy Street in this movie. Yep. Stevie Wonder. Yep. He's so, right there. Little 13-year-old Stevie yeah. Wonder. So I was wondering how he ended up there. I was looking at a little bit of his history. And he was signed at like age 12 by Motown Records. Um, he sang for one of the more known singing stars. And they signed him, like, immediately. But they couldn't quite figure out... He was, like, a single-person act. He was in, like, a whole band. And they couldn't figure out kind of how to fit him in and get his records and things out. So they kept trying him in different areas, jazz and some slower stuff. So this was the movie where they connected him and his music to kind of the younger crowd that wanted to to dance. Um, So from that point forward, he really kind of takes, for a while, takes that kind of road. So it's kind of funny that he has that connection to the movie and then uh also the big bad at the end mr strange door is peter laurie peter laurie is a famous actor if you see his face you know him from a number of of Um, movies actually right right well and i was um really interested when i saw that because i i'm not familiar with any of peter laurie's like later stuff but he was always kind of a a thin almost mousy character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was never a big muscle guy. Right. The first, Maltese Falcon was the first thing I saw him in. Yep. With, um, oh, what's his name? Humphrey Bogart. That was Humphrey Bogart, right? Yeah, I think so. Maltese Falcon, yeah. I think so. Yeah, he doesn't have any more roles in this because he actually ends up dying March 23rd, 1964, the same year this was put out in the theater. So he died, I think he did one more movie after he did this one and then he passed away. So sad. sad. Yeah, they never showed his face till the very end, but they showed him talking, and like there were bricks sitting there, and all he had to do was like um, crush one with his hand. Yeah, but and it didn't even look like it took like a lot of effort. He was just like he'd just take a brick and to show he was the strongest man, right? That he could. Which is funny. Afterwards, he has a very distinctive voice. Afterwards, yes. Did you did you recognize him at the moment? Uh, Yeah, I knew. I knew. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in fact, I recognized, you know, like Vincent Price was in the last movie. There's a number of older movie um, stars that either connected to this movie or actually were in the movies. Like, so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of fun to Different see. Different cameos. Like, yeah. Which yeah. is funny, both famous kind of horror actors. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. AIP, who made this movie, had a number of horror movies and actors on contract. Under mm-hmm. contract, so there's there was a connection. That'll be funny. You'll have to be looking out for other ones like yeah. Peter Cushing or Christopher Lee. Exactly, or, right, yeah. right. Uh, there was one deleted scene. I wish I would have seen. It was called the the Muscle Mau Mau dance sequence. Oh, I wish I'd have seen. Which that was too. choreographed by the Fred Astaire Studios. Oh no, but you can't find it anywhere. Sadly, what the name of the place uh, that they all kind of hang out is called Cappy's Place, right? So the guy who was played Cappy last time was also in. This time. And that's actually um, kind of like based on a beach coffee house. And there was this okay, place there called Cafe Frankenstein in California that it was kind of based on. 
Yeah. This is the second and the last time Frankie, Avalon, and any other teenager in the cast smoke cigarettes on the screen. Oh, good. The really? Surgeon General report on smoking was released January 11, 1964, while the movie was being filmed. So at that point forward, no more smoking. And, that, and they didn't smoke a lot, but they smoked a little bit. And I wanted to say the Contessa. Yes. She looked like she was probably um, late 20s. Yeah, I'd say so. Mid to late 20s. And she was really pretty. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't too out of character that she would be attracted to Frankie. She he's he's a, a little young. Yeah, he's a little younger. But, Although, in real life, at this point, he was mid-20s. Right, but he's playing much younger. Yeah, I think so. Person. They're not very clear like how old the kids are anymore. They don't, they don't, really, they don't care anymore. So. They don't. Yeah. Yeah. And Deadhead was on there. Yes. Deadhead went through the brick wall head first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was Deadhead is a very literal name. Yeah. No, no. And the other thing that's funny about Annette's character, Dee Dee, is that she is very quippy. They're one-liners. So her and the Contessa have these conversations, and they're like snarky comment after snarky <laughs> comment to each other. That's all so it is. Funny. And Frankie sometimes gets in between, and this is often when he looks at the audience. Uh-huh. He'll like just commentate, like he'll say, ooh, that was rough, or you know, yeah. he'll like say things about, like kind of rating what the other one was, yeah. say, was saying, and yeah. he'll look at the audience some. So when you look at quotes from the movie, it's out of context, um, so it's kind of hard to, like why I wouldn't really quote that, but in the movie, it's just like snarky comment, snarky comment to each other. It's really kind of funny. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the, the fourth wall breaking is, yeah. is great, too. I always loved that in movies yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah. I didn't see it a lot in movies. I think I think that the Muppets was probably what I saw it in most. Oh, that's funny. Fourth wall breaks. <laughs> yeah, so, pretty, yeah. So this one was uh, rated fifth of the AIP Beach Party movies, so um, kind of a lower one. So next week, we'll be talking about Bikini Beach, which was also released in 1964. There's three of them that are released in 64, and this will be the second one. So something to look forward to. Yeah. I'm enjoying watching them. They're really... It's funny to yes. to watch them. And yes, they're just silly. It's, yes. Yeah. Lighthearted fun. Awesome. Well, going from sunny and fun to rainy Chicago, Illinois... Uh, I'm going to be talking about the Abraham Lincoln Head of State statue. So, in the same vein of going from a well-known monument or American icon to one that's either slightly different or slightly smaller, the Abraham Lincoln Head of State statue is similar to the Lincoln Memorial that we all know and love in D.C., but it's only nine feet tall. Oh! Wow, that's that's a, that's a uh, lot that's shorter than I was expecting. Yeah, that's not yeah, that's not very tall at all. No, yeah. So this one is obviously a lot shorter. So unlike the Lincoln Memorial, this one is cast out of metal, though. So it sits on a pedestal in Grant Park, Chicago, uh, and it's actually close to another statue made of Lincoln by the same artist, uh, Augustus. St. Gaudens, which depicts Lincoln standing. It was intended by the artist to kind of invoke the feeling of loneliness and the burden of command felt by Lincoln during his presidency. So does it look similar to the one in... It looks very similar to the one. Okay, but not exactly the same. But not exactly the same. 
Okay. So the industrialist John Carrar bequeathed funds for the creation and maintenance of a free public library in Chicago to be named after himself. He bequeathed about 100000 which is just under $3 million by today's wow. currency, um, to his executors for the erection of a colossal statue of Abraham Lincoln at a location of their choosing. So after Carrar died, St. Gaudens was commissioned to sculpt the statue, and in 1901, the Chicago City Council approved an act for the construction of the John Carrar Library in Grant Park. It also allowed the trustees to use the bequeathed money to construct the statue of Lincoln to place within the grounds of the library. So the roughly $3 million is for the construction of the entire site. Okay. More or less. There was a fire in St. Gaudens' studio in 1904, which destroyed all of his drawings and models for the sculpture. However, he was able to complete design work and begin casting before his death in 1907. What a fire in Chicago? That's unheard of. (laughs) That's never happened before. The plans to build in Grant Park were opposed by Aaron Montgomery Ward, who in 1910 won a court battle to prevent the Carrara Library and the Field Museum of Natural History from being constructed in the park. The library was instead moved to be constructed at the northwest corner of Randolph Street and Michigan Avenue. In 1924, it was announced that the South Park commissioners had approved a location for the statue, and the statue was unveiled on May 31st, 1926. Coming up on 100 years. Coming up on 100 years now. Yeah. Um, so it's another one of those sites that, when, and this is one of the things that I've found, a lot of these smaller attractions don't tend to stand on their own as much as some of the larger ones do. They tend to be a part of a collection of things going around. That makes like sense. Like the crazy horse statue. Like you can go and really make a day out of everything around it too same with christ of the ozarks and same with abraham lincoln head of state because there's a lot of things around grant park that you can go and check out the library nearby other statues of lincoln um there's a lot there it's in illinois so there's a lot there memorializing lincoln yeah and there's a lot to do in chicago i know one of the conferences city was looking at going to next year was in Chicago, so mm-hmm. maybe you could stop by Grant Park. Yeah. Chicago has a lot of really cool things. It does. And you know what I bet happens a lot to this statue? Birds land on it. <laughs> <laughs> songbirds? songbirds? Probably songbirds. Probably. And that brings us to... It probably, And they probably require the statue to be cleaned a lot. As a result. <laughs> as a result. That is very true. Less fun element of songbirds. That's right. Exactly. So for our songbird quiz, I'm going to give you, it's not a long quiz, I'm going to give you a question and then some options for answering. And I think there's like three or so true and false also. Number one. Wait, is the prize for this, do we get to have a bird on our finger perched? You get to go out and make friends with a bird and hope that someday it'll perch. But that's up to you. That's that's your prize. You you get to do... (laughs) You can do it whichever way you want. Number one, which birds are completely black? Blackbirds and ravens, 
blackbirds and crows, ravens and crows, or they are all completely black? Listener, think about that for a second before we have our answers. Let's give you a chance to think about your answer. Okay, I hope you have your answer. Let's find out if Randy, Sydney, and Cole know their blackbirds. Sydney, what would you say? I think my answer is C, ravens and crows. Okay, Cole? Yep, definitely C. Okay. Um, I'm going to go for ravens and blackbirds, A. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, that was a good try, Randy. It is C. Ravens and crows are the only songbirds that are completely black. The blackbirds have an orange bill. I couldn't remember if the crows had the orange bill or the blackbirds. (laughs) (laughs) I remember blackbirds because it's a little ironic. (laughs) It is. All right. Number two. How many insects can a songbird eat in a day? A, 30. B, 50. C, 300. D, 500. Okay, listeners, we'll give you a minute to consider that a 30 b 50 c 300 d 500 how many insects do you think a songbird can eat in a day okay we're gonna flip it and go around the other way randy what is your guess i'm gonna guess d 500 okay cole what i'm gonna guess b 50 sydney i'm going i'm gonna go with b as well Okay, you are all incorrect. It's C, isn't it's it? It's C, 300. Alrighty. Now, this is a little easier. It's true or false. True or false, songbirds have opposable thumbs which help them perch and maneuver. Okay, listeners, think about that. Songbirds have opposable thumbs which help them perch and maneuver. Is that true or is that false? I'll give you a sec. Now we're going to flip it around, and Cole, you're going to go first. What do you think? Hmm. I don't think they're technically thumbs, so I'm going to say no. Okay, you're going to say false. False. <laughs> okay. Siddo. I'm going to say true. Randy. And I go on the same path Cole is. I can uh, think I of the think thing you're actually, thinking of. They're yeah. actually not thumbs, so I'm going to say false. That is exactly right. Songbirds have talons, not thumbs. However... They have three talons pointed forward and one in the back, and that helps them perch on trees. And interestingly, another little tidbit, I don't know if you've ever wondered why birds just don't fall out of trees when they are um, (laughs) perched if they fall asleep, right? Why not? Well, what happens is when they squat down, their talons lock. And when when they straighten their legs again, they unlock. That's what keeps a bird perched when it's asleep. I wonder if they teach that to their kids, like when their kids are babies. Like, when you squat, your talons lock. Like, little, like, (laughs) 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 for them to remember. that's intriguing. I don't know. (laughs) And we will never know. (laughs) We will not know. Well, I don't know about that. We 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 could have a bird-to-speech machine in the future. Maybe. Or maybe Dr. Doolittle. That's right. That's right. Speak to the animals. Number four. True or false? Many songbirds are endangered. Listeners, what do you think? 
Many songbirds are endangered. Are they endangered or not so much? Give you a minute. I feel like you 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 should lead us on a little more. Like, are they endangered? And like, shake your head or you know, <laughs> give you guys a little, a little more than, yeah, yeah. than the listeners. <laughs> All right, Sydney, I'm say false. Okay. I'm gonna also say false. Okay. I'm gonna say true. Okay. You just want to be different. <laughs> sure. Most songbirds are not endangered we're, at we're. this time. It is false. <laughs> They're all over the place. They are, yeah, yeah. so I feel like they are. I feel like they feel like they are, even though they're not. <laughs> well, and right now they're not. Yeah, Some they of their habitat is... Being encroached threatened. on. Yeah. yeah, but they're not... At this point, they're not endangered. Which of the following are names for a group of bird species? A, a murder. B, a party. C, a charm. D, A and B, which means a murder and a party, which is funny to put them together, and or E, all of the above. So, listener, that was a lot to li- that was a lot of information to give you. Which of the following are names for a group of bird species? A murder, a party, a charm. Those are the three: murder, party, charm, or murder and party. Or all? Give you a minute. Give that some thought. What do you think? Randy. I'm going to go with the classic all of the above. <laughs> okay. Cool. I think that I am going to go with A. A. I think I'm just going to go with A. Okay. A murder. A mm-hmm. and murder. Okay. I'm going with A and B because A is for crows and B is for peacocks. A peacock, peacocks are actually flamboyants. Really? Yes. But you already said B. Okay. And they are... Peacocks are... You're thinking of flamingos. Flamingos, flamingos are flamboyants. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, but give me a sec. Okay. Um, <laughs> it is all of the above. Yes. So, a murder is crows. Yes. A party is blue jays. And a charm is finches. So, those are the names of bird species. And there That's were a awesome. lot of others. Um, if you have any interest in it, looking this stuff up, it's very interesting. Well, you didn't have a thing on blue jays, so I'm going to call, <laughs> call I foul, didn't. Call foul so on that. So, you had to know about the blue jay party. So, a peafowl is a collective term that refers to peacocks, peahens, and pea chicks. I don't think that's the same thing. So what's a good... It's not. Yeah. It's a peafowl of peacocks. <laughs> no, that doesn't seem right. All right. We're going to move on. You guys can look up... Uh, this very fascinating subject later. Ready? True or false? Birds are not born knowing their species songs. Okay? True or false? Birds are not born knowing their species songs. Okay, listener, that was kind of an interesting question or interesting statement. In your topic. No. It seems like it was. Not in the book. You didn't tell us it was the test. This, is, this seems like one of those situations where you gave us a study guide, but then dropped a bunch of things that were not on the study guide. That happened a lot when I was in college. <laughs> All right. trick us. Part of the college experience. I'm yeah. We will scoot over to Cole first. Uh-huh. <laughs> True or false? Birds are not born knowing their species songs. So what does that mean? What does, that, does that mean that if they never heard... Another bird of their species singing, they wouldn't know how to. No, that's not what it means. It means there's particular songs. 
each bird has a certain way of interacting and so like speaking. it's the it's a short and long so it's kind of that the tone the the um, high and low right so it's all that together put together as a song so they wouldn't know that so they can they can still chirp yeah they can still I make would, the sound but they might not know the I song I would say that they are not born knowing the song then okay they have to learn them they have to learn them okay. I'd say true that they are. We would okay. Is they're, it? They're not born knowing their song. So no, I think that's false. I okay. think they're born knowing, knowing their song. Yeah, and I think it's true. Okay, it is true. Just like humans, they have to listen to adults singing to pick up their language. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, the same um, species of birds have different dialects in different regions. So like southern birds have a more southern dialect. They say y'all. <laughs> Too late. First, say tweet, 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 tweet. All right. And in New York, they say tweet. Hey, tweet. They kind of yell at me. Tweet. What are you tweeting over here? All right. Which of the following are not acceptable forms of territory defense for songbirds? Okay, I'll say that again. Which of the following are not acceptable forms of territory defense for songbirds? A, singing. B, dancing. (laughs) C, puffing up feathers. D, urine marking. E, nesting. So, which of them are not acceptable forms of territory? So, we have to name all the ones that are not acceptable. Exactly. Oh, so this. So it could be like all of them, or could be. It could be one. It could be all of them. Or it could be two or three. Yeah, it could be any any number. Oh my gosh! Do we get points for ones we get right then? Definitely. You get like ten points each. All right, listener, think about that. Which of the following are not acceptable forms of territory defense for songbirds? Singing, dancing, puffing up feathers, urine marking, and nesting. We are going to... Where are we? We go back to Sydney. Um, Sydney, which of the following are not acceptable forms of territory defense for songbirds? I would say D, urine marking. Okay, so Sydney is saying D, urine marking is not an acceptable form of territory defense. So there can be multiple here. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to say dancing and urine markings. Okay. Dancing and urine markings. And you think all the others are acceptable form of territory defense. Yes. Singing, puffing, and nesting. Okay. Randy. The ones that are not are puffing, urine, and nesting. Okay. So Randy says puffing. Urine marking and nesting are not acceptable forms. Right. Okay. So all of you think singing is, yes. and that's correct. Okay. So we each get a point for that. Okay. You keep the points in. All right. So singing is correct. Dancing is not an acceptable form of territory yes. defense. I got Puff- that one. So um, so no dancing. Right. Which was a little disappointing because that would it be was. really cute. Plus she was singing and dancing. Singing and dancing. Yeah. Right. They're not... They're not Kevin Bacon in <laughs> Footloose. So, puffing up feathers is an acceptable form. So, Randy got that wrong. Urine marking, all of you guessed that that is not an acceptable form, and it is not an acceptable form of territory defense. Okay. And nesting, 
is an acceptable form. So Randy didn't get that one either. Well, I guessed all of them correctly. Yeah, you did. Yep. But so that wait, was interesting. Repeat again in the end. Which ones were not? In the end, the following are not acceptable forms of territory defense for songbirds. Dancing and urine marking. Oh, okay. The others are acceptable forms of territory defense, which is singing, puffing up feathers, and nesting. How is nesting a defense? It seems like very passive. It does seem very passive. It's, passive it, aggressive. It surprised me, but once they nest, they are um, claiming territory. And now that's, that's not defending it, though. That's what it said. Yep, it's territory defense. I'm going to go to like, a higher authority. It seems one. like a reason to defend the territory, though, not the defense itself, right? Yes. Okay. Which songbird is a vegetarian? A. The tufted titmouse. B, the goldfinch. C, the chickadee. D, the cardinal. Which songbird is a vegetarian? Okay, listeners. Which songbird do you think is a vegetarian? Tufted titmouse, goldfinch, chickadee, or cardinal? We'll give you a sec to think about it before we make our guesses. Okay, what do you mean by vegetarian? Eats seeds, berries, doesn't eat no, insects. No okay. insects. Okay. Or Which she did say this. Mm-hmm. During one of them. During one of them. Yeah. Are you guys ready? Sure. Yeah. Randy? Yeah. All right, you're first. Goldfinch. Okay, Randy says the goldfinch. Cole. I'm going to guess the chickadee. Cole guessed the chickadee. Sid. I'm also going to guess the goldfinch. Sydney is also goldfinch. And you two are correct. It is the goldfinch. Oh, I wanted to be different. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I did that several times and I lost sometimes. (laughs) The goldfinch is a vegetarian songbird. Which songbird cannot eat upside down? Oh, man. Okay. It's going to be the same birds in the same order. Okay. A, the tufted titmouse. B, the goldfinch. C, the chickadee. D, the cardinal. Which songbird cannot eat upside down? Listeners, think about that a sec. Which songbird is not enjoying a meal upside down? Is it the tufted titmouse? Is it the goldfinch, the chickadee, or the cardinal? We'll give you a moment to think about that before we give our answers. All right. Are we ready? Sydney. Um, The cardinal. Okay. Sydney says cardinal. Cole. I also say cardinal. Cole also says cardinal. Randy. Cardinal. Randy says cardinal. You all got it correct. Yay. The cardinal is the only one of those four songbirds that cannot eat upside down. Well, I was thinking in my head, I'm going, you know, of all the Christmas cards and pictures of cardinals, I, know, I, was thinking, I have I, never I, seen one upside down. I can't <laughs> see one in my mind depicted upside down. Right, right. I was just thinking they're big. So they right, and that's well, what that I was too. thinking, too. And the other three ratio. are tiny, yeah. yeah. All right. Final one. Aww. Which songbird... I know, this is so fun. <laughs> Which songbird is the largest? A, the robin. B, the cardinal. C, the raven. D, the crow. So, listeners, which songbird is the largest? A, the robin. B, cardinal. C, raven. D, crow. Give that a thought and we'll let you think about that for a second. This one should be worth five points. Okay, it is. Done. Like a bonus, bonus round. Am I go? Yeah. Cole All right, first. let's get Cole first. 
That would be the raven. All right, Cole says raven. I also say raven. Sydney says raven. Raven. Randy says raven. You three are correct. You did remember from my podcast earlier that the raven is the biggest. So, congratulations to all of you. You're all winners. Yay, we beat the pop quiz. (laughs) That's right. But mostly Cole won. Yeah. (laughs) You're all winners, but mostly Cole. That's right. I know my ravens. Well, thank you, Cole, for listening so intently and just knowing some random things. Yes. Yes. words. And, and knowing some random things that weren't even in your podcast. Exactly. <laughs> just flung at us. And our little point. interesting tidbits. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a very fun series. Thank you for doing that. A fun You're way welcome. to end the series. And it was a lot of fun to do the series. I hope everybody enjoyed it. I really did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tweet, tweet, tweet. Tweet. Rock and Robin. <laughs> that's right. Our future festivities are for the week of June 22nd. June 22nd is World Rainforest Day. June 23rd is National Pecan Sandies Day. June 24th, International Fairy Day. Or Fairy Day. Spelled different. (laughs) Sounds the same. June 25th is National Leon Day. That's so funny. Do you remember National Leon Day? No. It's halfway point to Christmas. Leon is Noel, spelled backwards. Oh. June 26th, Take Your Dog to Work Day. Which should be easy right now. (laughs) <laughs> people are working at home. That's true. June 27th is Summer's Giving. And June 28th is National Paul Bunyan Day. You can follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at holiday underscore moons. On Instagram, we are at holiday moons, all one word. On Facebook, you can find us via the search bar by searching holiday moons. We have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. And you can email us at any time at holidaymoons at gmail.com. So for Sydney, Randy, Cole, and Beth, happy almost summer! summer.